It's the Little Things Podcast. I am so excited today. This is our first guest of season three. And so I'm just so stoked and I'm so excited. Um, she just seems like such a light. We've only talked for a little bit before the Zoom, but I am so excited just to kind of get the season started with some really awesome people. And so today I have Steph with me and I kind of came across her on like, you know, like everybody else, I came across on like in- Instagram and TikTok and so I feel like this is going to be super exciting. I just kind of not in a creepy way, but have been like, you know, seeing your posts and stuff. So I'm like super excited to have you on here just because you just seem so like sweet and positive and you obviously love the Lord. So I'm super excited to hear more about you and kind of your story. Um, so Steph, why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, more about your story? Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I It's an honor. Um but yeah, um, I'm Steph. I'm 18. I'm currently living in Florida. Um, I just graduated high school like a couple months ago. And right now I'm just figuring my life out, to be honest. And the Lord has truly um, been just like putting it all together for me. Um, praise God for that. But yeah, um, right now I'm just in the process of um, fundraising for the next season of my life and like I'm praying for what that will look like and just really, really excited for what's to come. Um, But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think that's so crazy right now because I kind of feel in that uh, I was felt in that place like a couple months ago with waiting to get into school. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to get in. And it was like full stressful, like if I don't get in, because I put all my eggs into one basket. And I was like, if I don't get in, like, I'm just, I started making plans. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And uh, so, yeah, I totally get that aspect of life. Just kind of like chilling, just kind of understanding, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next type thing. But yeah, so I'm really curious to hear kind of about your like story and your testimony. So would you mind sharing that with us today? Of course, I would love to. Um, So basically, I grew, I was born into a missionary family. So I was born straight, straight off the bat into ministry. Um, I basically had to live um, ministry, but like on steroids, like literally overseas, moving all the time. Definitely something very challenging to live, especially as a kid when you don't really, it's not really something you choose to step into. So, um, ministry was my normal. Um, it was what I was around all the time. Um, it was all I knew. And so it was very challenging for me growing up. Um, you can ask any PK or any missionary kid, um, how challenging it is to grow up in a missionary or a pastoral family. Um, it's a, it has, it comes with a lot of pressure, um, Mm -hmm. that you just like, aren't prepared to handle. And I feel like it just like, it, it makes life a lot more difficult than it should be because you kind of expect yourself to just be a kid and do kid things and be happy and have friends and keep those friends forever. But um, kind of what I had to experience was like having these little friendships and it being temporary and having to move every few years and, and all these things. So it was very hard for me to just be able to build relationships from since I was born, like I always had to make these superficial friendships and it was just very challenging for me to build community and for me to, um, truly see God as not, uh, as, as not someone that my family is sacrificing their lives for, but 
first, but like him being someone who loves me and cares about me and is interested in me and is personal and hears me and is with me as I'm going through these challenging times, right? And so I grew up really resenting the church because of how challenging it was and the things that I saw my parents go through. Like my parents, I saw them truly suffering for the gospel. um, And I didn't understand why God would allow that to happen or, or why I had to go through certain things. And I had to be like, have all these pressures as a child and like go through all this trauma from like the congregation, people around me, like all these things. And I was, I did, I really didn't understand why God would put me through these things. Um, and why I didn't have a choice mm-hmm. to not have to do it. And so um, I grew up resenting the church and truly hating God and everything that had to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much considered myself agnostic till I was about like 13 years old. And um, I moved around um, t- for to different cities and countries while um, during that time. And um, it wasn't until I was um, 13 where um, it just all like it all piled up over the years. Mm -hmm. And I was just done. Um, I attempted suicide twice in the span of six months when I was 13. And it was all just very lonely. I, my family knew that I wasn't okay, but they didn't really um, understand the whole mental health subject and like what that looked like. Um, They didn't really know how to spot those red flags and like those patterns they just knew I wasn't myself, Mm -hmm. but regardless of that, I went through it on my own. And that was very challenging. Like no one, nobody understood what I was going through or why I was going through it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that same year I, um, went to this camp where the Lord radically saved me and transformed my life. And like, I truly understood like, like, what his love was and like why I had lived through all that my entire life and like why my parents sacrificed so much and why my parents left everything behind for the gospel. And it was just this wave of understanding that hit me. And the Lord was like, this is why, like, it wasn't in vain. It wasn't pointless. It wasn't meaningless. I had a purpose and I had a reason. And, um, yeah. And so, um, it was, a Saturday night where I encountered the Lord at this random camp in the middle of Daytona beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I was completely just transformed and my life was never the same again. And from that moment, I knew that I wanted to dedicate my life to Jesus and just like literally do anything that he asked me to like, whatever it was, I'm willing and I'm going send me and I'll be there. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't really know what that looked like my whole life. Um, even before I got saved, I struggled to understand what my purpose was. Like I did truly didn't know what the Lord, why why he even like had me here, Mm -hmm. why, um, what my purpose was. And so even stepping into my salvation, I knew I wanted to serve Jesus, but I didn't know how and in what capacity and what like talent or gift I had in order to do that. And so it's something I struggled with throughout the past four years of being the past, almost five years of being saved. And so, um, yeah, and I uh, like up to my, um, halfway through my senior year of high school, I 
truly had no idea what I was going to going to do with my life at all. And, and it was really challenging because it was fully trusting that the Lord would just like tell me and give me some kind of direction. And I felt hopeless at one point. I was like, God, what the heck am I doing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Everyone has it all figured out. I have friends that are applying to 20 freaking schools and like <laughs> Ivy leagues and like people that are, I don't know, taking gap years. And I, I truly have no idea what the heck I'm doing. All I know is that I want to serve you, but I just don't know how or how to start or what to do. And, um, in April, I took a trip with my best friend to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I was able to be around young people who literally left everything behind and just started serving their community, serving the colleges around them and pouring into all these people and just surrendering their lives to serving Jesus and the people around them and all these things. And um, truly, I saw that and I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. There is nothing else I'm supposed to do. There is no way I'm going to be wasting my time starting a business or being a doctor or going to college for four years and switching my major three times. Like, there is no way I'm going to like waste my time doing this when there is lost people, where there is people that are so desperate for Jesus mm-hmm. and there, the laborers are few. The, the harvest is plenty, mm-hmm. but the laborers are few. And I was like, I'm a laborer in the name of Jesus. <laughs> that is me. I'm here and I am willing. And so, um, yeah, while I was there, one of the girls, um, that was there visiting, she was a circuit rider and, um, and she, I was telling her about how, like, oh, I've been looking into circuit riders, um, recently, like, what do you think about it? Like whatever. And she was just like, she was telling me all these things, incredible things about it. And she was like, why don't you just apply? Like if you get in, then that's, that's God. And if you don't, then, you know, the God will send you where you need to go, but just apply. There's no harm in doing that. And I was like, you're right. I probably should. Um, I'm going to do that. (laughs) So I literally that, I think it was that day or the day after I got on my computer and I applied and, um, and I, the minute I applied, I was like, I'm going to California. I'm going to circuit riders. Like that is what's going to happen. Um, like there is, I just knew, I don't know if it was the Holy spirit that just like gave, gave me that assurance, but I just knew I was supposed to be there. And, um, so yeah, it's been a few months since April. It's been ups and downs. So many doubts. At one point I considered not even going because, the finances, um, just struggling to like finish my application and all these things. And I truly had no idea if I was even going to go, or if I was going to go for January or whatever. But at one, there was one point where, um, I was sitting in my bed and I, I had been in the, one of the worst depressive episodes I've had in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was like from May, like the minute I graduated till like the beginning of July, I was just sitting in my bed just depressed. And I didn't want, I couldn't get out of bed for most days. Like I couldn't do basic things and like do the things I loved and whatever. Um, and it was really hard for my, on my relationship with God. And I was just like, God, like help me. Like, I am so tired. I don't know what the heck I'm doing in all these things. And, um, I remember there was this one day where I literally felt like I was suffocating. I was like, there is no way I'm staying in this town. I am staying in this city not doing anything and just not taking any, like any sort of step of faith. I literally was sitting in my bed feeling like I was suffocating. 
I was like, I need to get out of here. Like I need to leave. Like there's no way I'm staying here. And I'm, I'm fully convinced that that was the Holy spirit being like, get the heck up and do something like get up and take that step of faith that I told you to do like three months ago. Like literally don't let that, don't leave that behind. Don't let, don't leave that started. Like finish it, like finish that application and get it over with because that's where you're supposed to be. And so I called my best friend literally sobbing. I was like, dude, I'm not supposed to be here. Like I need to leave. Like I need to go to circuit writers. If I don't go to California, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do, but I need to go there. Like, it's just going to happen. And, um, the Lord literally shook me. And that same week I got my application done. I had my interview. I got accepted and now I'm fundraising. And this was kind of like a week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at now. Praise God. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Oh my gosh. Your story is just so good. Like, so, so good. Like, so I guess my question is, so you, you, when you were going through that like depressive episode, like what was just the thing that got you out of it? Like, I know you said like the Holy spirit, but like, like if somebody were to be going through that, what advice would you give them? Um, great question. So I am someone who, when I get into depressive episodes, like it's something that just shakes me and it's something that literally just something around me just happens that triggers the crap out of me. And that's what just leads me to being in that depressive state. And so for me, it was my graduation, like graduation was an an incredible time for me. Like I graduated high school. I'm done with this like I'm moving on, yeah. but, um, honestly it was kind of a wake up call. It was like, Steph, you're literally not doing anything with your life. What the heck are you doing? And I got hit with all these like overwhelming feelings of just doubt and anxiety and worry, not knowing what was next in my life. And I felt all this pressure and everyone had it all figured out. And I was like, what the heck? Like, am I just supposed to stay in this town and work nine to five for the rest of my life? Like, is that what I I don't see myself doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I felt like it was a time of just like not knowing and the unknown is so scary to me sometimes. Um, because I feel, I always feel like I have to have like this, like grip on everything in my life and I have to have control and know everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know what's going on, I like, abort mission like I'm done I'm leaving (laughs) like I kind of self-sabotage so um this was not a relationship it wasn't a friendship it wasn't a job like this was my life that I was not knowing anything about and that led me to just have so much anxiety and just I was so sad because I was like there's no way I've come this far to not do anything there's no way that I'm gonna sit here in this town and be like just confined to this one street, sorry, and not do anything with my life. And so, um, yeah, I just, my, my mind just took me to a very dark place for months. And so one thing that, um, I usually just like, that usually has to take place for me to get out of that is for me to fully surrender that to God and it's so annoying with people when people say just surrender it to God, like it's whatever, just go surrender it. It's so annoying, and it makes me so mad when people say that. And it's like the cliche thing to do. But honestly, if you find yourself 
in a season where you are just depressed, you are stuck, you're in a rut and you honestly don't know what to do and you don't know how to get out of it and you feel like you're literally suffocating, there is so much there, there it's, there's so much more that has to do with it than you just being in a depressive episode. You are keeping something from God. You are not letting God penetrate through your issues, through your worries. You're not letting him like in fully. And so the Lord, he is a gentleman. He's not literally, he's literally not going to like step in and be like, this is like, okay, get up. Sometimes he will. He did for me 100%. But there are times where we need to truly get on our face and be like, God, I am so tired. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of reading my Bible, opening my Bible and it being a routine and it being something that I just do when it's like a chore. I'm tired of opening my Bible and not even understanding what I'm reading. I'm so tired of waking up every day without a will to live. I am tired. I am exhausted. I can't do it on my own. When you recognize that you cannot do it on your own and you are so weak and you are nothing without God, that is where God steps in and he's like, all right, my child, I am here. Because there's this one thing I read the other day and it was like how like we're unworthy of the things that God has given us. We're unworthy of his grace. We're so unworthy of his love. Like who are we to be worthy of the things that God has for us? Who are we to be worthy of those things? What have we done to be worthy? But what makes us worthy is to recognize the fact that we are unworthy before almighty God, that we are so, we are so small. We are so minuscule compared to the king of the universe. And that is what makes us worthy. In the minute that we humble ourselves before God and we're like, God, I am nothing without you. I need you. I need you to step into the situation. Like I can't fight this on my own anymore. I have no strength. That is when God is like, all right, I have my favor upon you. I am here and I am ready to just deliver you and do whatever it takes for like, for me, for my purposes to be accomplished in your life, for my purposes to be just to come into fruition in your life. And that's exactly what I've had to do in the past. Whenever I had these, these depressive episodes, I was just keeping things from God. I was trying to do it on my own. And it it comes from a place of pride. It's like, you think that you can do it without God. You think that you can get through without him and that you don't need to read your Bible every day and that you don't need to feed yourself with the daily bread. You don't need to go to him in prayer. You don't need to literally word vomit in the presence of God and be like, this is literally what's going on in my life. Help me. I can't do it anymore. It comes from a place of, a place of pride. And once you humble yourself, once I humbled myself and opened every just door that I had shut to God, mm-hmm. That's when he pulled me out of it and I got up and I was like, I'm done. The Lord gives me strength. He gives me a will to live. He gives me a hope. He, he gives me a reason mm-hmm. to just live. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I would say to that. No, that's good. That's really good. I think um, just time and time again, I've come to find that I do the same thing. Like I kind of push them away because I'm like, I can do this. Like, I got this. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's on me. Like, I can, I can figure this out. I'll get myself out of this rut. I'll get myself out of this, like, time where I'm just not reading my Bible, not being in the word. And I think it's not even just like him. Like, for me, it's other people around me that are like, keeping me in check. Like, 
not even them saying, Hey, are you reading your Bible? It's like me being like, Oh my gosh, like they're doing that. I know I need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. I, like, I know I need to be doing that. You can tell in the way they carry themselves that they are obviously in the word. And I'm like, I wonder if people can tell that I'm in the word or that I'm not in the word, if I can tell from them. And so I think something for me is like, you know, just, I, I agree, like giving it to God. I think I listened to a podcast, um, the becoming something podcast. I don't know if you listen to that with JP Pakluda, but he's, uh, they're awesome. And they were talking to John Eldridge and he was saying the same exact thing. Like when you're tired, like God gives us resilience. Like we are resilient because of him, not because of anything we've done. And I just kind of keep coming back to that because he talks a lot about like this past two years with COVID and everything and how this is kind of the aftermath. Like we're all being like, not, we're being like angry and um, short tempered with people and all of this stuff because of this, because of COVID and everything that's happened in the past two years. And we've never like dealt with it. And he's like, now we're going to be facing the consequences of not dealing with things. And I think, I think about that a lot, not just in like, because of COVID, but because of everything else, it's just like so many times we kind of push through that without actually handling the root of the cause. And then a couple months later, you realize, oh my goodness, I haven't read the the Bible in a month or I haven't prayed in a month. And I'm like, now I'm facing the consequences where I am short tempered. I'm angry. I'm hostile. I'm depressed. I am. And there's just lots of other reasons for being depressed. Cause I just think a lot of times it's just something even if you are in the word, sometimes you just can't control it. And, um, I think a lot of times God, or he does help us out of it. And, um, but yeah, I I agree. Everything you said was just so, so good. And it's just like, I don't even know how to add on to it because it was just, you said it all, you covered every, everything. But another thing I have for you is you have had, I guess this is putting it lightly, but a lot of church hurt from being a child of missionaries so how were you able or do you still struggle with that you know church hurt now or are you were you able to kind of get past it if that's um, not too touchy no of course um so basically growing up as a missionary kid it was so challenging um just being in the spot kind of in the spotlight not in the sense of like oh I'm the center of attention but like everyone just watches you what is a pastor's kid doing? What are they saying? They're supposed to be an example to my kids. Like, this is who my kids are looking to. And just, it's insane to me. And to this day, I just like, it baffles me that people just think that we don't have a testimony because we're born into a pastoral family. Like we don't have um, struggles. We aren't sinful that we aren't just like you, just like you and your kids, like, it's something that um, I grew up really just like, shaken by I was like, so you get to struggle, but I don't, your kids get to experience all these things, and they get to make mistakes, but I don't Mm -hmm. like, and so that trained me to put up this facade. And to even though I did not believe in God, and I hated him, and I hated everyone who believed in him, Mm -hmm. because I just hated Christians because all Christians were mean, and they were judgy, and they just looked at me, and pointed fingers at me, and looked down at me, and talked down at me, I, I just, I resented it so much, and, like, I would look at that, and I'd be, like, am I supposed to just put up this facade, and act like I'm a Christian around you, so that you're happy, 
Like, and so I became this literal, like expert on just looking like a Christian and acting like a Christian and talking like a Christian and just living a life like a Christian, even though behind closed doors, it wasn't that way, even though at my school, it wasn't that way, or even around my friends, it it wasn't that way. I would go to church and people would swear that they, that I loved God and that I was such a good kid. And like, I was just, you know, stepping into my parents' footsteps and, you know, following them and like, you know, and people were convinced and I convinced everyone. I was, I was just, I was a fraud basically. And, um, just because of the church hurt that I lived. And I like, there was times where I literally, I got assaulted one time by someone at my church in front of the entire congregation, because I stepped out of my dad's sermon to go to the bathroom. And she found that disrespectful. Um, And like, just things like that, where I was just living my life. And I was just demonized because I was normal and because I made mistakes and because that's it. There's no other reason. And so I obviously grew up hating the church and over time, even like, even in the moment I got saved, I still had so much resentment against the church and against the congregation as a whole um, and how much they have failed um, pastors kids, because even though we're just we're, we're a very small demographic in the grand scheme of things, but the church has failed pastor's kids. The church has failed missionary kids. And it's always the stigma of like, oh, pastor's kids are the wildest kids. Like they're the wildest. They, they go out and they party. Like you see them on Sunday, but they're literally taking 11 shots the night before. Like why? Because we have been failed by the church, right? We have been forgotten and we have been overlooked by the church. And we have been given all these, these like pressures and expectations that no Christian deserves to be given. Like no, no, no one who is not saved should be held to these standards. Mm -hmm. And just because I was born into a pastoral family, it doesn't mean that I'm saved. It doesn't mean that I was born into salvation. Like no one is born into salvation. Like give me the verse. I don't like (laughs) it. Um, I've looked everywhere for it. Nowhere in the Bible. You know what I mean? Right. So um, having to heal from that church hurt has been just, I, I, I honestly went to God and I was like, I'm not going to put any effort into healing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to put in any effort into reconcile, like having like my love for the church redeemed. Like, I don't like in my hand, in my end, there is no redemption. I hate the church and I love you but I hate what your church stands for. And that is so hypocritical, even though that sounds like, so like hypocritical. Um, I just hated the church. That's fair. And so, um, and over time as like the Lord has sanctified me and the Lord has sharpened me and the Lord has refined me. I have, I now have such a deep love for the church, like the church, like seeing the church today the American church specifically breaks my heart because I feel for the church, how much is lacking of like, just fear of the Lord. It's lacking so much fear of the Lord right now. And seeing that just with my own eyes is so heartbreaking because the church it's, it's, we're the bride, we're the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. Like 
we're supposed to be united and we're supposed to like love one another and, and look to one another, help one another, um, instead of just like bickering and fighting all the time and being like, oh, you're wrong. And I'm right. And this and that. And like, um, it's just heartbreaking to see that. And, um, and so honestly, like the way I came to this point of having such a burden for the church out of pure love, because I love Christ and that is who he loves is Mm -hmm. his church. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I got to this point by just giving it to God and being like, there is no way I'm going to be able to heal from this mm-hmm. on my own. There is no way I'm even going to make any step into that, make a step into that direction because I hate the church period. Like if you want me to heal, you do it for me. Cause I can't do it. There's no way I'm going to be able to heal. There's so, there was so much trauma. Mm-hmm. There was so much resentment, so much just hurt that was done to me there was no way I could have done it on my own. And so God took care of it for me. And during the past five years, I've just seen God just like healing and, and breaking apart these like pieces of things, like these things that hurt me, these things that haunted me that I would literally have nightmares about. Um, and so, yeah, like the Lord has just like redeemed it fully and yeah, all glory to God. Honestly, I did nothing. He did everything that's the see that's the craziest thing to me is that we we kind of we underestimate God a lot because you had went through years and years and years of church hurt and trauma and you were able to come back and say instead of me hating you I'm gonna love you so much that y'all are gonna want to be better like you are showing them love despite everything that they have done to you and I think that's like really encouraging and inspiring and I don't I don't know if you realize like how much that that's going to help people along the road, just because church art is, I've never seen so much ever. Like it is just so crazy how often you meet somebody who has turned away from the faith because of church hurt. And we obviously are lucky to, you know, know, like it's not God who's to blame. It's not him. It's the human nature. It's, it's people in general. They're just, they're faulty and they're corrupt on their own. And I think that's something that it's just, it's never, it can get better, but it's never going to always, it's never going to go away. And it's, I mean, that's always been an issue from biblical times. There's been corruption in the church. So it's just kind of crazy to me that, um, that you're able to just overcome all that trauma and church hurt and are able to love regardless and in spite. And so I, I think that's really awesome. And I think that's super encouraging and I'm super excited for this journey. So do you know any of these, like what's the next step? Um, how somewhere, or how is a way that, what is a way for people to help you, you know, reach these goals, like your Venmo or whatever, I will put it in the, the comment section and everything. So people can send you some help, but what are some ways that people can help you through this time? And what are your next steps? Yeah. So, um, in basically about two months, I'm going to be moving to Huntington beach, California, um, to pursue my calling in ministry. And, um, I'm going to be joining the organization called circuit riders. Um, I feel like it's very popular within our generation, especially like, I don't know, in t- on TikTok and everything like, um, yeah, circuit riders is an incredible organization. Um, just in, and their goal is to reach high schoolers in, and, and, um, university students who, are lost and are in desperate need of the gospel. 
Um, and so I'm going to be going there for a discipleship training school for about three months. And then I'm going to tour on tour in January um, for also about three months. And so I just need help fundraising because it does take, it's, it's a lot of expenses and, you know, the cost of living in California is kind of crazy. Yeah. And so um, just the pa- basic necessities and tuition and transportation, groceries and all these things. It's a lot. So I'm actually trying to raise about Mm -hmm. $10,000. And I do have to raise about $4,200 by uh, September 1st. And so, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, but I am so, so ready for God to do a miracle. And I'm so excited to see that come into fruition. And so, yeah, um, yeah, you guys can give through my Venmo if you are willing. And if God has put it on your heart, um, my Venmo and my cash app, um, you'll put those in the, in yeah. the, in the description or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm just really excited about all of it. Um, I just ask that everyone is praying for me. Like literally everyone, if you can just make a quick prayer for me that the Lord does a f- miracle in my fan- finances and that the Lord just, um, does incredible things while I'm there. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. And I am just so glad that you took what the Lord told you and you went full send and you're going for it. And so I love that. That's awesome. Um, but before we close out, we have like three questions that we ask. So they're kind of like lightning rounds. So just like whatever your first answer is. So the first question is what is your favorite verse right now? Galatians two twenty. Um, that is my life verse. Like it is not me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And like literally life verse. There you go. Love it. I love it. Okay. And do you read like books? Yes, I do. Okay. What is your favorite book right now? So I am really more into like theology and like kind of like Jesus books. So, um, I love, I'm, I've been reading meditations on the Trinity by A.W. Tozer. I literally have it next to me. Um, such an incredible book, so full of wisdom. And so, yeah, literally go buy it right now. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I love adding books to my list. And then last question is what is your favorite part of God's creation? My favorite part of God's creation. Wow. That's such a loaded question. Um, I know. Right. Um, I think, um, wow. I think the fact, I think I could say like us as human beings, because we were created in his image and he sacrificed his life for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, but one thing that I love other than human beings is just literally nature, because I feel like when I'm in nature, I'm, I feel like when I'm like in, in around nature all the time, I feel like I'm so much closer to God in a sense. Like, I feel like he's just so tangible and I don't even know if that makes sense. But just being in nature, seeing the beauty and the, like the complexity of God's creation, things that most people overlook, I think that that is beautiful and that we should pay attention and see it and appreciate it. So I love that. Okay, everybody. So thank you so much, Steph, for being on. This was awesome. And I'm so glad I got to talk to you and meet you, meet you kind of through Zoom, I guess. And then um, anyway, so thank you everybody so much for listening or watching or whatever you did today. Um, I just appreciate every one of you and your patience uh, waiting for the podcast to come out. And then also just, you know, be a light for the Lord in everything you do and be the reason someone's smiles today. Bye guys. (laughs) 